Welcome back to another episode of Agile Way podcast, where we explore challenges organizations face on their Agile journey. How to become great Scrum Master, how to change your leadership style, or how to embrace agility at the organization level. I'm Suzy Shukova, Agile coach, certified Scrum trainer, and author of the great Scrum Master book and Agile leader book, and I'm your host for this podcast. I'm passionate about business agility, organizational culture, and Agile leadership, and that was the reason why I decided to start this podcast, to share with you my experiences and stories from my Agile journey. For the third series of this podcast, I'm inviting speakers of Agile Prague Conference so they can introduce their topics and they can also share with us a little bit about themselves and what they see happening in an Agile space. If you want to hear more, we would invite you for Agile Prague Conference September 19, 2022. So let me welcome Pat here. He is from US and he is one of our keynote speakers for Agile Prague. And let me ask here our first question. What are you currently passionate about in Agile space? So I got these questions ahead of time. Um, thank you. And I had, I really had to think about this because I have a lot of passion. So I came up with three things and I'll try to keep it brief. But um, the first thing that came to mind was um, how COVID has in the last couple of years really impacted at least from the people I interact with from a coaching standpoint, their interpretation of these principles that we've been living with for the last 21 years. Um, namely, the sixth principle, which is about face-to-face -face conversations. Um, I often get asked this question, you know, does this still apply today? We're all working remotely. And I'm, I'm just blown away by this because it absolutely still applies. And it, you know, we just have to reinterpret what this really means in today's world. You know, we're doing face-to-face -face right now over Zoom. Uh, that's a way of doing face-to-face. -face. I can tell that we're completely engaged with one another. You're nodding your head, I'm doing the same. So, I mean, it still stands up uh, even today. And I think that the future of Agile with regards to this is going to be that we've learned how to work remotely in this way. And I hope that, um, you know, through my interactions with people that I can encourage them to still think about this principle as it is so important. You know, we need to have that dialogue as human beings. Um, I don't want to just communicate over Slack or by Skype or text messaging. It's just not, it doesn't do it for me, which actually gets me to the other thing um, that I'm passionate about, which is very much in alignment with my, my talk. It's about personality types. And I found that in the last couple of years, um, especially with working remotely, that the you know, different personality types, namely introverts and extroverts, really react differently on you know, Zoom or whatever video platforms we're using. And I find that it is difficult for um, us all to really feel communal in a, in a team environment when we're remote. And some can feel much more like they're in a team and some feel excluded. So like, I would say maybe about four or five years ago, I had this revelation about introverts and extroverts. My wife gave me a book. Uh, she's an introvert. I'm not so much of an introvert. I'm a little bit more extroverted. Uh, she gave me this book called Quiet 
The Power of Introverts by Susan Cain. And she gave me this book. She said, if you want to know more about me, you need to read this book. So I was like, what? What does this even mean? So I read the book and I had no expectations about this book. I was actually reading it to satisfy her, to be honest. Uh, but it really affected my perspective on everything that I do from a coaching standpoint. It really changed the way I looked at things. And I had been feeling up until I read that book that there was something sort of blocking many people from adopting Agile, adopting the philosophy. Um, because the mechanics are one thing. We can all learn the mechanics of Scrum. We can learn the mechanics of Kanban. That, that's easy, relatively easy, compared to understanding and embracing the real philosophy of it. Um, and so when I read this book and I thought about what really introverts are like, it made me start to question what if, in fact, I am observing this in simple things like stand-up meetings, in refinement, in how we think about visions and roadmaps and how we see day-to-day -day interaction within teams. Am I seeing this preventing people from being more team-based, more team-focused? Of course, there are other things about teams that are really important to know about. You know, we have a shared goal, we agree to work together, um, but agreeing to work together is based on whether or not I even want to do that. You know, so are there things about how we communicate that are preventing adoption overall? And so I started to make this hypothesis a few years back, and I started to really just observe as much as I could, especially in things like retrospectives and daily standups, because this is where a lot of team interaction happens. And I'm finding that this possibly is a cause of concern, is that if we don't address this, that this reality exists, we might not do a good job of managing it, handling it. Um, and it's important for us to change our perspective to some degree on how we all have different personality types. I don't know what your personality type is. I don't know if you're introverted or extroverted. I can make assumptions, but I'll probably be wrong. Um, and you know, so I think that how we communicate, the styles of how we communicate need to be thought. It needs to be very carefully thought about. Um, so that's one of the things I'm super passionate about. I've wrote, written a few articles on this and my, my talk is based all around this notion. So, you know, I've been doing coaching for 12 years. You know, I've been doing this crazy world for that much time. And, you know, in the first, like, maybe six, seven years, I was very much process-oriented. I was very focused on frameworks and adoption of that. It was, it was mechanical. You know, looking back, I didn't really, you know, I'm not the same guy as I was back then. I, I've, I've had lots of experience. I've, I see where people typically struggle, people where people don't typically struggle. But there are a few things. So I mentioned one of them, you know, introverts, extroverts. That's one of these things that kind of like becomes an undercurrent in how, you know, the team dynamic is and organizational dynamic. You know, leaders are typically more extroverted, or it seems like they are. So what is the other thing? The other thing to me is more about purpose. So I find, you know, I like to think about teams. That What makes a team a good team? Well, it's having a good goal, having direction, and having the ability and willingness to work together. If you have those combination of things, you probably have a team that can figure out a problem. Once you get past, I wanna work with you, and I understand how we can work, what's the process we wanna use, we feel self-empowered, we, we're self-organized, all that stuff is out of the way. Oftentimes, there's still one other thing that's in the way, and it's usually that purpose-driven work. And so, 
you know, it's very easy to find to define a product vision. Okay, what's the vision of this product? Why is it important to the customer? But and, and many teams struggle with that even, but you can figure that out. Can I align my work, my, my sole purpose for being in this team with that vision? Do I embrace that enough? And do I understand it? Do I feel like I've contributed? I like to try to solve that problem. That's one of the things that I'm really curious about why organizations prevent that from happening, why they have no interest in it, or why teams themselves don't see the, um, the benefit or the value of attributing their work to a purpose. You know, I just want to show up, get my job done. I'm good. You know, as long as I don't get dinged for anything, I'm happy. But what if there was more? What if I can actually align my work? I saw you come off mute, so I wanted to make sure that you had a chance to say it's okay, something. It's okay. I always like wait for 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 time, right? So I was just wondering about that uh, purpose, right? If you reach that place where they like don't have it, where they just work because there is a work and they just like move boxes, as I often say, from right. here to here without even thinking about it. So what do you do? What's your first step? I ask them. You know, why are you? What what motivates you? What is your you know, if I'm talking about it at the team level, I want to know what is your motivation? What do you what do you look forward to doing? You know, why do you do the work that you're doing? And if I'm working with a whole team, I want to know if there's some kind of overlap in that. There should be some kind of consistency in that message. Um, there should be some kind of ultimate goal that they're trying to accomplish, obviously, from a product standpoint. And if we're in a product development team, they're building a product, there should be a product goal. Um, at the leadership level, I often will find that they will they will create vanity goals that kind of uh, are basically like uh, accomplishing something measurable but don't actually have real value in the end to the customer so there's a disconnect often with that um, and teams work towards these vanity goals leadership often will set up a vanity goal but they and they accomplish those things but are they actually moving the needle forward for the customer that's something that I often will see as a disconnect. So I like to be able to compress those things down, you know, compress what it is that the customer or the business is trying to accomplish from a why standpoint and make that extremely available and accessible to the team. The team has to contribute to that understanding. They have to believe in it as well, because if they really believe in that mission, then they're going to build the best products. And it doesn't really matter what the framework is because they're going to solve the problems. And I see this much more so in startups because they're closer to leadership and they're closer to the end, right? They can see how their product immediately impacts the users. And when I work with a large business, a big, let's say a big fortune 50 financial institution in the United States, they are so disconnected from that, that their vision, their, their missions become so localized that they their, their measurement of success is based on that very small little you know, it's not so small, but I mean, you know, it's localized perspective of a goal and it's extremely disconnected. So one of the things I'm really passionate about is bringing awareness um, to, you know, leadership and teams about this disconnect and then often drawing upon comparison to, you know, this is what I've seen in the startup, for example, in this specific startup, how their CEO worked with the team, you know, like observed the teams and helped the teams to understand mission and purpose and what that actually allowed that company to do. That's why many of these small companies where they have good product market fit, they're meteoric. You know, they can, they can rise very quickly because the teams completely believe in what they're doing and they'll figure out any problem that comes to them. That's really exciting. 
So I try to introduce that kind of lean thinking, that lean startup thinking to, to bigger companies. That's what I really like to do. Nice. I have one more question back to your second point. I was yeah. kind of wondering how do you, which tool are you using for like this assessment? Like what kind of person are you, some MBTI or, um, you know, disk or whatever. So what's your favorite? Thing? So Myers-Briggs, I never use, I never ask people to do it. I, I will tell them about it. And sometimes I will get their scores back. Um, and I have, pondered putting that out as a you know something that could be more accessible for people if they wanted to but i know i feel reluctant to push the concept um you know to say hey what if you took this test you know, what, would, what would it tell you <laughs> you know i kind of base it on what their own interpretations of themselves are which is probably not ideal um but it's just my approach right now i took that myers-briggs test have you done that yeah, we were using it as well. So together with a TKI, it was quite useful to understand. Yeah. Can you share with us what was your biggest learning on your Agile journey? Like personally, what did you learn? Oh, boy. Um, well, I mean, I think that looking back, so I guess there were two things that stand out to me. They're separated in time by quite a bit. One is one that I already mentioned, which is about purpose and about, um, you know, personality types influencing change. Um, so I, mean, I don't feel like I should rehash that, but I think that looking back, you know, six or so years ago, I remember having a point in time where I made this realization that I didn't know anything. That I, you know, I got started in coaching by luck and by um, opportunity, you know, so I'm an opportunist. So I saw an opportunity, I jumped on it and it was a risk I was willing to take. But I realized in retrospect that I didn't know what I was doing and that I was, you know, really more focused on the mechanics than on the people. And that's an unfortunate thing for me in my yeah, I, I should say it's fortunate that I made that realization because it did change how I became really more like a coach and not a process changing, which I think I was in the beginning. Um, so I think that was the best, that was probably the most profound finding uh, about myself personally that allowed me to be more open-minded and to be a better listener. Um, I think I'm a better listener today because of that. Very nice. It sounds a bit familiar. I think uh, I started similar place as well, like changing the process, implementing the process, and only later on I become into this coaching and leadership and everything. Right? Yeah. So it needs some time, I guess, for people to embrace that. It's easy to get into that, though. You know, like it's easy... You know, you may have run a six, you know, worked on a successful project and team for a while. And then so you're using that mechanical knowledge to help someone else. So that's a very easy foot in the door. Um, and then over time, though, you start to, at least for me, it, it, I realize that, that that's exactly what I've been doing. And it's not really, it's not getting to the deeper things, which is what I really wanted to get to. And I, I, I suppose that's true for you. Pretty much similar, right? And at a certain point of the time, it just happened. And then, yeah. you know, very much lucky, I guess I was. Yeah, very lucky. So if you look into, you know, the future, 
like, I don't know, 20 plus years from now. We have all that thing called Agile here from 2001, you know, it changes a lot. We talk about different things now than we used to 20 years ago. So what do you think it's going to be the future of Agile? That is a hard thing to answer. I, you know, I, I, I struggled with this question coming into this because I was like, I never really thought about 20 years from now. I can barely think about what's happening next year. So I, I really try to think about, I, I believe that Agile is never, it's not going away. And I think that fast forward 20 years, there's going to be, you know, all of the legacy people that were, you know, lifers, long-term people and existing organizations, they're going to be gone. Right. And so, you know, the retire on the, you know, the, the newer blood who, who we're introduced, we're working with today. Um, they're the ones who are going to be setting the pace forward. So I can imagine that the, the culture, the society of these companies, it will already be pervasive, you know, that way of thinking. So if, if, if that's what it's like, if they they embrace these principles, the mechanics, I think of scrum or whatever might be in the future, I think those things are going to be more easily adopted and it won't really matter. And I, I would hope that because that stuff is out of the way, we're getting more focused on problem solving and we're getting more focused on value delivery instead of just like checking a box and saying, yeah, we're, we're agile now. We've, we've trained all these people. We're, we're doing process. We have CICD in place where our defect rates are down low. And, you know, I, I hope we're beyond that point, uh, you know, across all different kinds of industries, which gets me to the last part, which is, you know, I, and I don't know how it is for you, but I would say 65, 70% of my engagements are around organizations, teams that build some sort of software. And the other 20, uh, other 30, 35% are either building a process, a thought document or hardware. And so I would hope that um, it becomes expanded much more readily outside of the software space. And then it doesn't matter where that is. You know, one of the things that I find the only thing I find problematic about the Agile Manifesto is the word software showing up four times in that document. And I feel, you know, I wish if there was a way to just genericize that word and make it product. And I, and I often will tell people, just get rid of the idea of software. It's fine. It's a product. However you want to define it, it's okay. Um, I, I just wish that could change, but it's not going to. And I agree with you. Um, I did this exercise on my classes and we often end up with a product or service or maybe just value. And I like the third one even better because it's even more general, like we just deliver yeah. some value and you know the rest is you know very I'm, applicable. So I'm going to totally steal that if that's okay. Hey, I say forget software and think of it as a product or a service, but you just captured a much broader and more inclusive term value that is awesome i love that so simple that's great i like it as well so thank you very much your time is pretty much over i'm looking okay. forward to see you in prague and you know deep dive into those topics because they are super fascinating so thank you very much and have a nice day thank you have a good weekend Thanks for listening to this episode of the Agile Way podcast hosted by Zuzi Shokova, author of the Great Scrum Master book and Agile Leader book. If you love listening to this podcast, please leave us a review. 
If there is any topic you are particularly interested in and would like to hear another episode on it, let me know. For more information about me and my Agile classes, visit our website sochova.com, S-O-C-H-O-V-A.com. Thank you for listening.